So as I uh, mentioned before, during this season of Lent, which began on Ash Wednesday, 40 days ago, um, not including um, uh, Sundays, um, we, we've been using our uh, Lenten devotional book, and the, the title under which we've been uh, sharing those devotions and preparing for this day uh, was um, On the Road to Resurrection. That's what it says on the front of the uh, devotional booklet that we've been using. On the Road to Resurrection. It's been our theme for Lent 2019. And when we think about this road analogy, it strikes me that there's two questions that you you would want to ask about being on a road. First, how's the trip? How's it going? What kind of road is it? Good road? Bad road? Uphill? Downhill? Hard hard going? Um, Difficult going or easier going? Um, How's the trip going? That's the first question. The second question would be, where are you going? As a symbolic picture of your life and my life, which of those questions is most important? Our culture encourages us to focus on the first question. Enjoy the trip. You only go around once, so get all you can. Fill your bucket before you kick it. I would suggest we ought to think more about the second question. No matter how nice or how difficult the road we're on, isn't the more important question the one about what awaits us when we get to the end? Answer the where are you going question well, and we will be able more fully, more fearlessly, more fruitfully to enjoy the trip. And today, Easter Sunday, is a really good day to answer the end of the road question really well. Where is my life ultimately going? Without Easter, the evidence offered by human history and all my ancestors leads me to one of two answers without Easter. One, I have absolutely no idea. Or two, perhaps the more honest of the answers, given the data available without Easter, where am I going? Death. I will die, and that will be the end of the road for me. I remember watching Woody Allen movies when I was a teenager and hearing about his fixation with death. I don't mind death, really, the comedian protested. I just don't want to be there when it happens. (laughs) I am death. The hooded figure with the sickle croaked out to the party, uh, gathered around the table for a dinner party, and then one of the guests responded, well, that puts rather a damper on things, doesn't it? I laughed. I didn't understand. Death wasn't something I spent much time worrying about as an indestructible 19-year-old. Now I'm in my 60s. I've had my own near-death heart attack experience. 
it doesn't take much anymore to bring to mind the reality of death. I discover some new discoloration on my skin somewhere. My doctor tells me I shouldn't eat so many potato chips and pastrami sandwiches. My hairdo options shrink as my waistline expands. The day when I could simply do whatever I do and stay healthy, it is finished. More days on the calendar that mark the last day somebody I knew and loved was with us. My dad, Danelle's dad, my mom, members of my church family, my grandson. The time when I could blithely assume all the important people in my life would be with us next year at this time, it is finished. An Easter day as late as this one, a solar eclipse, a birthday with a zero at the end, wolf pack basketball in the Sweet 16. Will I ever see this again? Any number of once-in-a-lifetime experiences that have had their once. It is finished. And I'm aware that another once-in-a-lifetime experience is just around the corner for me. My death. When Jesus said, it is finished, from his cross, we might have concluded, if we had been there, that he was simply referring to his life. It's over. I gave my best shot. But nothing lasts forever. This is the end of the road for me. We might have thought that once again the last word was spoken by that dark and hooded figure with the sickle. Subsequent events have shown that such a conclusion would have been premature and understandably erroneous. Later events in history, like Jesus' physical rising back up from the dead his appearance to his disciples and many others, the consistent, courageous, and world-changing witness of his followers, and the establishment and continuation of his institution called the church, despite all its external and internal obstacles, tell us that Jesus, it is finished, was referring to something more than merely his physical existence. It is finished. What did it mean? What difference did it make in the overall scheme of things? How does it change things for us today? Let's take a look at our text for today. For today's once in a lifetime, there will never be another like it, Easter Sunday. John chapter 19, verses 25 to 30. Hear the word of God. Near the cross of Jesus stood his mother, his mother's sister, Mary the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother there and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to his mother, Dear woman, here is your son. And to the disciple, here is your mother. From that time on, this disciple took her into his house. Later, knowing that all was now completed and so that the scripture would be fulfilled, Jesus said, I am thirsty. A jar of wine vinegar was there, so they soaked a sponge in it, put the sponge on a stalk of the hyssop plant, and lifted it to Jesus' lips. When he had received the drink, Jesus said, It is finished. With that, he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. 
Hebrews chapter 10, verses 11 to 14. Day after day, every priest stands and performs his religious duties. Again and again, he offers the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But when this priest had offered for all time one sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God. Since that time, he waits for his enemies to be made his footstool. Because by one sacrifice, he has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. Let's pray. Lord God, thank you for your word. Thank you for your truth. By the power of your Holy Spirit, I pray that you would help us to hear and receive and to live in the wonder and the strength and the hope that your word brings to us today. And I pray this in your name and for your sake. Amen. So this morning I want us to just spend some time asking and answering this question, what does it is finished mean? I'm going to start with what I'm calling the dictionary meaning. I'm calling that because I got this meaning from dictionaries. The English dictionary. It is finished. Well, it means done, over. What Jesus actually said was probably in Aramaic, but when people remembered and wrote it down, they did so in the common trade language of the day, which was Greek. And that has come down to us as the Greek word, Tetelestai. Some of you may remember that that was the name of one of the anthems that we heard um, on Friday evening for our Good Friday service. Tetelestai. The Greek dictionary says that this is a perfect passive verb. It comes from the root word teleo, which is related to the idea of perfection, maturity, completeness. It's about fulfillment. It conveys the idea of becoming what you are meant to be or doing what you are meant to do. Tetelestai means it has been completed. What I have come to do has been accomplished. And then there's the everyman meaning. For tetelestai, it is finished. There was a man who lived a complete life. There was a man who lived a life that fully accomplished its intended purpose. There was a man who died with nothing left undone. This was a real man at a real time in a real place with a real name. Jesus. Yeshua in his native tongue. Joshua, as it would be pronounced today. Jesus of Nazareth. Son of Joseph the carpenter. And he fully accomplished what he was born to do. In this way, he was different than me. Concerning most, maybe all of what I put my time and effort into, the work I do, I cannot honestly say, it is finished. I mow my lawn. I weed my garden. I put gas in my car. I pay my taxes. I update the security on my computer. Can I say, it is finished? Nope. It's never done. I write sermons like this one. When it's over and we all say, it is finished. (laughs) Not quite yet. Will I be done? Nope. My life in this life will continue to include work 
that is not completed. Jesus is also very much like us in his humanity. He did breathe and eat and laugh and cry and die. So he also tells us something about our lives. Human life has meaning. It is not unreasonable to assume each of us has a life purpose, real and important work to accomplish, a calling to fulfill. Your life matters. Here's the above and beyond or heavenly perspective meaning. It is finished, first of all, from hell's perspective. The powers of evil and the evil one, as Jesus called his and our adversary, understood that Jesus did not have to die. Nothing found in the perfections of God made it inevitable or predictable that he would ever die. Jesus, God the Son, died because he chose to die. The powers of hell apparently did not understand that even after choosing to die for the sake of others, God would not then come under the power and authority of death. He wouldn't cease to be God Almighty. Death would seem to hold God only as long as God willed it to be so. And God would not will it to be so permanently. Nobody could keep God dead against his will. Death, on behalf of evil, would not get the last word over God. From an earthly perspective, Jesus' death is very sad, but not a shocker. Good people often rub powerful people the wrong way. The world's power systems often don't treat people well when they are truly good and tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. Jesus was very good and told the truth. He didn't play at the, by the corrupt world's dark rules, so people of power killed him. Duh. Jesus' resurrection, on the other hand, from an earthly perspective, was a complete surprise. Once dead, nobody gets back up. The resurrected Jesus made everybody reevaluate everything he said and did. The view from heaven is exactly the opposite, it seems to me. That God Almighty could die would allow himself to taste death. That for any moment of time God would allow it to be said truthfully about him, he is dead right now. This is impossible. And if you could actually kill God, God the Son, nothing would be more logical than his resurrection. You can't keep the creator of all dead. Death cannot hold sway over him for one moment longer than he says it can. And God is always Lord over death. Things Jesus said support heaven's perspective as the more accurate one. John 10, 17 The reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life, only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I received from my father. This word and many others 
are words from Jesus predicting his death and his resurrection. You can't have one without the other. It is finished. The work, the choice, the not cosmically necessary part is done at the cross. God dies by choice and by his power and because of his love and grace. It didn't have to happen. The resurrection of Jesus is the necessary and inherent outcome of his death. When God dies, he will be, he must be raised again to life. You can't keep God dead. He will not stay that way. So Jesus doesn't have to wait for his tomb to be emptied to say, it is finished. He says it from his cross. Then we have the theological meaning of it is finished. One of the questions we find ourselves dealing with often here is the question of God's sovereignty versus what is called human free will. Is God in control of everything? How can human beings then be truly responsible for the choices they make, as the Bible also seems to indicate? God is in control. Everything happens under his will and as an expression somehow of his character, And human beings make real choices for which they are rightly held responsible. This is a fundamental paradox of the Christian faith. How do I reconcile these things logically? I don't. Instead, I plead the 55th. That's my line. Pointing to Isaiah 55, verses 8 and 9. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. If I can't figure out exactly how God works things out, He's in control of everything and I make real choices, I shouldn't be surprised. If I could figure out God, If my thoughts and understandings could encompass that of the Almighty, then God wouldn't be God anymore. I'd be God. And He wouldn't be able to figure out me. Instead of pretending to figure out God, I trust in God. And I trust that He reveals all I need to know about Him and His ways. The sovereignty of God provides the logical foundation for the mystery of what is called human free will and not vice versa. It is finished does not and cannot mean it is merely begun. Completion cannot mean initiation. Accomplishment cannot mean possibility. Fulfillment cannot mean potential. Saved, praise God, doesn't mean merely wooed. What was the work that Jesus came to do that he actually accomplished? What was he referring to when he said, it is finished? I saw a very nice license plate holder on a car this week here in Reno. It said, give Jesus a chance. He died for the opportunity. It was as though some higher power wanted to help me with my message today. And of course, that higher power was the DMV. 
God can use even the DMV for his purposes. I am grateful for any sign that points people to Jesus, but I think that license plate holder was misleading concerning what exactly was finished when Jesus died. Jesus didn't die for an opportunity. He died to accomplish something. The salvation of his people, my salvation, your salvation, and what Jesus came to do, he did. Finished. I don't think we're going to go to the heavenly banquet one day and hear Jesus give a speech like this. Well, I I just want to thank all of you believers who are here tonight for giving me the opportunity to be a savior. Without all of you, my work, my life would have meant nothing. The power of salvation, listen, the power of salvation is in Jesus' hands. Not mine and not yours. Hallelujah. This is good news. And the work of salvation is the work already accomplished by Jesus. It is finished. Jesus doesn't save me because I have put my trust in him. I put my trust in him because he has saved me. Good news. Hallelujah. And so we do not need to live in fear. We cannot lose what rests securely in God's hands rather than dangling precariously from our own. If God has claimed us as his own, that is who we are now and forever. Can I get an amen? Amen. Thank you. My alternative license plate holder sign... Did Jesus die for you? Then act like it. Today is your opportunity to live with him and to see that it was never a matter of chance. It is finished. Finally, from the help for helpless humanity um, point of view, meaning, Jesus is the one who is able to help. Hebrews 10 Jesus isn't the same as all the other religious leaders, all the others who occupied that holy space between God and their people. He didn't engage in some kind of never-ending task for a particular period of time. What Jesus did got done. Jesus could do this because he was the priest. He was fully human and fully God. A religion to end all religions is what Jesus brought not merely one to be added in among all the other religious options presented to those who are interested in doing good and working their way up to God. It is the truth that is essentially about what Jesus has done and it is finished. It is not essentially about what you or I or anybody else this side of Easter must do, not about what for us is unfinished. And this personal help, and this is also personal help, that tells us about the end of the road for us. 
on a personal level, one of two things happened at the cross of Christ. Our last and only chance to live in God's glory, in heavenly bliss, in peace and faith and hope and love forever came and went. And we will perish in dark despair, failing to know or experience God's light and love, rejecting his rightful place over us and for us, and dying eternally instead. Or, everything necessary without exception was done for you and me to be saved. Our eternal life was unalterably secured by Jesus through his willful death and certain subsequent resurrection. Jesus' necessary and unstoppable resurrection signals and guarantees such necessary and unstoppable resurrection for those who believe in him and follow him according to his word on the strength of his death-defying work. So in conclusion, it is finished? What's finished? Let's spell out the meanings we've found. D for dictionary meaning. E for every man meaning. A for above and beyond meaning. T for theological meaning. H for help for helpless humanity meaning. D-E-A-T-H. What's finished? Death is finished. 1 Corinthians 15 When the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality, then the saying that is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? Death has been declawed. Jesus' death and resurrection is the end of the road for the power of death. Our great enemy has lost its power over us. We can live death-defying lives because in Christ we will not stay dead. Just like Jesus didn't stay dead. For us who trust in Christ as Lord and Savior, the end of the road is not death, but life. Not nothingness, but eternal glory. For in Christ, we have been on his road to resurrection all along. Yeah, it might hurt a little. Like Woody Allen, we might want to say, death doesn't bother me, I just don't want to be there when it happens. But it will only be a temporary aggravation on our way to eternal glory. The end of our earthly physical life road is not a dead end, not an unavoidable cliff, not a final termination. It is an intersection. Eternal life way, this exit. 2,000 years ago, a man named Jesus died and rose again. Within a few years from now, each of us is going to die. And by the same power by which Jesus was resurrected, each of us who belong to him will be raised as well. His Easter will be our Easter. His eternal life will be our eternal life. His glorious forever will be our glorious forever. The man who never lies has said so. It is finished. So we find that the end of the road for our earthly lives is the continuation of our lives and the beginning of a new and glorious and everlasting life with him. 
Amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your goodness to us expressed in so many ways. We thank you that you have made us for life. And you have invited us to reach to you with empty hands to receive the eternal life that you would give us as your gift of grace. Help us, Lord, to do that. And then to live in the strength of that reality as we know that we live in you and with you every day, now and forever. Lord, we pray also for those in our church family and those around us who need our prayers. Lord, we pray that you would bring healing to those who are in need of it. We pray that you would bring comfort to those who are hurting, who are in despair. Lord, we pray that you would bring encouragement to those who are facing difficult circumstances. Strengthen each one for the things that you have called us to accomplish and the things that you have called us to endure. Lord Jesus, hear us now as we share together in this special prayer that you taught us, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins, as we forgive those who sin against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil, For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory.